Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. And today you're sharing a client story. I am. So fire away. Okay. Um, let's call him Mark. Okay. Instead of John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stepping it up a notch. I am. Um, After 50 shows, we get creative. <laughs> true. Okay. So Mark came in um, taking like a half hour booking, I think it was. He wanted it kind of short and sweet. Not the kind of guy who really wants to talk a little, anything about his feelings, but I think just really felt stuck in where he is in life because he's not getting what he wants anymore. And because it's not whatever his behaviors were or are, aren't working for him, um, he, I think, hit rock, rock bottom. But truth be told, as you'll hear during this session, rock bottom had been coming for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And that he just wasn't seeing his own rock bottom in anything in his behaviors or in the way he was speaking. He just thought he'd finally hit it uh, simply because everything that he had worked for fell apart Mm -hmm. and everything that he wanted in life, he was being refused. So a wife who walks out and says no, Um, children who say, I don't want to live with you. I want to live with mom Mm -hmm. because you... You're, you're not nice. I don't, I don't want to be with you. Mm-hmm. A business that fails. Um, friendships that end. Um, and he just starts to feel d- depression, anxiety, um, and seeks help in terms of trying to both medicate self-wise, but also seeking professional help, but looking for medicated help. So approaching a physician saying, I want a prescription for depression. I want a prescription for anxiety. Self-diagnosed. Yeah. And, and he walks in and the, when, his, when the session started, um, he had some grandparents come through, two grandfathers that said, okay, if you're going to start and give permission for open, then I guess we're, we're here to talk about how your life is falling apart and how even though it's falling apart, you still think you know what you need. Mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because he won't give up on that behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So my life is falling apart, but I'm still going to walk into my doctor's office and tell him what's wrong with me or her, tell her what I need, because that's what I've always done. So that was pointed out. Um, I won't say comically, though, quite often during the session, I noticed he laughed at some of his at some of his own behaviors, how silly they were sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think underneath some of that laughter, there was a lot of shame and a lot of, uh, feeling guilty about how, how come I can see it this clearly? If you're sitting here telling me this, how come I haven't seen it before now? Right. So, which I think is kind of neat, eh, Kelly, as to why some people book an appointment with us uh, where they sit and they, they feel like they know everything that they're telling us. But on the flip side of it, it's like it is brand new because it's the first time they're actually going to listen. And I don't mean that they're always going to take action, but there it is right on the plate with a with a stranger. Well, and I think that sometimes, and we've had a lot of clients who, um, like if we're channeling, their loved ones will kind of be alluding to something mm-hmm. and they'll say, you need to say it. Just mm-hmm. say it out loud for me because I need someone else to say it out loud for the first time so that it can really sink in for me. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's not about, you know, that they don't know that they're doing it and this is the first time they're really realizing it so much as they're ready to admit it. Because I think they admit it in their heads a lot, but they don't They don't want to change the behavior and they don't want to say it out loud. When they don't want to admit it to a partner 
or to a parent or to a brother or sister that's um, maybe told them repetitively mm -hmm. because they can't swallow the, uh, like their own ego. They can't deal with facing their own ego mm -hmm. to say, my wife is right. My brother's right. My dad's right. <laughs> yeah, because I think a lot yeah. of people approach relationships and think, well, if, if someone's pointing out a quality in me that is, um, I'll say, less than, um, what's the word? Stellar? No. Well, yes, <laughs> less than um, flattering. There we yeah. go. That, um, that it's a challenge, that they're challenging me or confronting me as opposed to just pointing out facts and saying, here's what's happening or here's the behavior that you're, yeah. you're exhibiting. Here's what needs to change. And I love how you said that. Ma it's, yeah. It, it's, it's perfect, Kelly. Thank because you. it's how we try to give the messages to that there are, that all of this is factual. Mm -hmm. It's not to accuse. It's not to point fingers. It's just mm -hmm. to say, here's the behavior. Here's what needs to happen next. So let's step in that his father comes in and says to me, he behaves this way, Karen, because I criticized him as a kid. So, so just to recap. Mm -hmm. his grand, dad's grand, passed away but the grandfathers come in to say these are the behaviors mm -hmm. then the dad the dad comes in to point out that this is where they stemmed from yes okay and for where they stemmed from but also an acknowledgement that this was his own behavior as a father mm -hmm. the grandfathers back it up because one of the grandfathers says and that was my behavior mm -hmm. so he owns that so you hear, so the, the man who's sitting in front of me, by the way, he's like in his fifties. Mm -hmm. So he's at this point in his life where I'll say some people want to believe that when you're in your fifties, you should have it all now. And it should be, you know, smooth sailing at some point. And all, all of it has fallen apart and disintegrated on him. Mm -hmm. And his dad's coming in and saying, perfect, perfect, because he's, he's at the right age now to be able to deal with some of this. And I'm here to say, to acknowledge that it's the way that I raised him. So Karen, he's hypersensitive to criticism. And his pattern is that he attacks other people before they're even going to say anything. So even if he feels a shift in the energy, a change in the car while they're driving, mm -hmm. even if she's starting to think about saying something or the friend is or the boss is, he already picks up on the shift of energy because remember now he had to grow up being aware of that in the house, right? Mm -hmm. If dad's energy is shifting and changing, I might get a hit in the head. So you're bracing yourself all the time, all the time. Lots so here clenched muscles, I was just going to say. And so here comes his tight butt muscles. Oh, okay. And here comes where I say to him, you tend to tighten your legs and jiggle your legs. And he goes, yes, I have the habit of doing this. And I said, you, you, you tend to flick your nails. Oh my God. You, 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 you do. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. And I said, and you bite them. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I do. And I said, okay. I said, these are all of the habits that come from when you feel the first slight shift of energy in your home and you even get so good at it that you can tell that your dad's going to come home in a bad mood before he's even in the driveway. Mm -hmm. So this is a very intuitive man, but boy, Kelly, talk about struggling with his intuitive gifts because Basically, they're they're he's on uh, like high high rev mode here to defend himself, but so much so and so deeply is that pattern now that if even if he has a very loving wife who wants to point something out, um, and and work on something in a positive way or suggest counseling where you could get new tools, he can't even go there. 
Because it's seen as a criticism. That's right. So even the even the idea or the thought or the talk of a therapist puts him into, I have to defend, I have to criticize, I have to attack mode. And so now she knows that so she can't come back ever to suggest this ever again for the rest of their lives. Because she, this is a trigger. Mm-hmm. So in the session, his dad and his grandpa's come through to say this is one of his triggers and why the marriage doesn't survive. Because he doesn't give her a choice. He doesn't give her any tools to deal with anything differently. Mm -hmm. So she's cornered. And she finally, after decades, realizes that she's cornered and has tried everything she possibly could. She even tries to become the therapist herself. Mm -hmm. Just, Just teach me. So she goes to therapy on her own to say, what can I do for my husband? Right. <laughs> what can I do? You know, I'm trying to save my family. And the therapist is trying to gently say to her over a period of decades, it isn't how it works. Right. So anyway, um, so he his the guides, his two grandpas and his dad came through and they gave him a list. And in literally a list. And at the top of the list, they said he is a bully. And he just sat there looking at me very straight faced, Mm -hmm. like, where's my moment here? Do I admit it and really do some work in this session? Or do I tell her she's lying? She doesn't know they're wrong. And now she's going to second guess herself as a psychic or a medium or or an intuitive. And I get to win at my pattern again. Mm -hmm. So being who I am, I'm just looking him straight in the eye waiting. (laughs) I'm not giving him an inch. I'm not letting him know that there's no going back at this point. But he on his own decides to admit that he's a bully. And he says to me, well, Karen, he says, that's what my wife's been telling me for years that I'm a bully. And I said, have you ever admitted it? No. I said, do you think you could after this today? Do you think it that if you could admit it, that you could, that could be your very first step to a different relationship because you're here because you've lost everything. Mm-hmm. So now you know what happens if you don't change. You lose. He, but he had to get to that point. Then his grandfathers came through and said, look, you're not telling Karen that you're an alcoholic. You're not telling Karen that you, you smoke, that you smoke up, that you uh, verbally abuse that you verbally and emotionally and psychologically abuse your partner. And as a result of that, your children feel it and get it. Not that maybe you actually say it directly to them, but you do. And you, you do abuse them because it's the family unit. Mm-hmm. You can't, there's, there's a false belief here that if you abuse one person or one child, but not the other one, that only one child is abused. Mm-hmm. Everybody is abused. So his grandfather's come through to literally go through and list. Um, what Can else? you stop for a second? Yeah. I want to go back because I think what you just said is going to fly over a lot of people's heads or they're pausing it and trying to piece things together because it's happened in their families. Oh, okay. And maybe, and I want to go back because I, I really enjoyed hearing about this session, um, but I want to go back and really give some more examples of how only one person is outwardly abused and how that means the rest of the family has been abused. Okay. So I'm thinking about children, just as the first example, where they're parented very differently. So if you've got, let's just say two children for argument's sake and mom or dad um, blames, shames, picks on, 
um, one child and the other one can do no wrong. That one child that's pointed at, pointed out, picked on, is outwardly abused, but the kindness that goes to the second child, there is there is an unspoken abuse where there it's implied that you're not supposed to speak up for your sibling, um, that you're supposed to be the peacekeeper in the family. So then it creates tension between siblings, just in this example, so that one's a peacekeeper and they get upset by the other person or the other sibling's behaviors. And it really pits the siblings against each other because the one who gets picked on is constantly angry at the peacekeeper for never speaking up, um, never speaking for them, never backing them up. There's an unspoken abuse that happens. And for the partner who witnesses it and is not allowed to step in and watch or implement different tools. Mm -hmm. Not just one example. Um, So are you okay to to kind of bring in another one how you know everyone is abused Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if it was in his session um withholding one of the ones that came through in the session from his dad was that his dad withheld so he with I know you're saying it in a different way but his dad withheld affection he withheld um love Mm -hmm. um and to what the other child um he would give looks so mark would give particular looks and so both kids can see the looks but they're always directed at one kid so he feels shame Mm -hmm. and goes through his entire life wondering why he's always struggling with that Mm -hmm. and in his family It has to do with running a business. It has to do with allowing one child to come into the business and not allowing other children Um, when they're both of age to work. And I'm talking about like when they're teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And where he pushes the other child to like, no, you get out and you get a job, but he's got one kid's back and not another child's back. Mm -hmm. Mm Is that that good? Yeah. And I also want to illustrate that um, withholding can exist in the partnership and there can be an overflowing of affection for the children, mm-hmm. but the children witness or ultimately witness, uh, the lack of affection between partners. Mm-hmm. And I hope this hits home for a lot of people because I think a lot of people have the idea of let's stay together for the children, um, and let's keep the family together and let's fix things, right? These are mm-hmm. all air quotes that you can't see. Um, but those children witness the lack of affection. They witness the lack of connection. Yeah. And so while you continue to exist in a partnership where there is no authentic connection and you think you're fixing things, those children are picking up on what's missing mm-hmm. and wondering why they are receiving and you're not. Mm-hmm. Right. Or why they're receiving from you but their mother or their father isn't receiving the same kind. And the anger they feel. Yes. That maybe the dad, we'll just use the dad as the example, because that's what we had in this case, mm-hmm. where the dad is giving love to the to a child, Yeah, which I'm going to say he kind of uses as a surrogate wife. Mm-hmm. And I hope people heard that, a surrogate wife, where the other child who he's he's withholding affection from and his partner who he's holding affection from 
then have to cope with their feelings toward the child who he does give love to. Right. Which then puts the whole family, all those triangles of dynamics at a, at a, at a really challenging level. Mm-hmm. But in all of that is all of this abuse stemming from one person. One person who holds the key to say, I won't change, I won't get help, I won't do anything. I've waited till my entire life has fallen apart. And now I'm showing up for a 30 minute session. Let's see what you can do. Yeah, seriously. Okay. Is, are, am I okay to continue? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, one of the things that came through was that um, his d- dad kept saying how he instilled fear in him. Uh, by withholding, by changing his moods, by being explosive. And then sometimes when it should have been explosive, forgiving and laughing. And it's not a big deal. uh, There's nothing to be upset about. But because he always kept everything unbalanced. Jeez, yesterday you you were inconsistent. Yeah, because of the inconsistency, this 55-year-old goes through his whole life scared. Right. He's scared of feelings he's scared of his intuitiveness of what he picks up around other people so he wants to shut down he's scared of what a wife could feel or his kids could feel but he wants to have all of these things he wants to have love he wants to have loving relationships but he's broken and so he's sitting there and I said underlying all of this Mark is that you're terrified you're scared and he's a big, strong, like this guy's huge. And he's just sitting there and he goes, yeah, he's terrified. Doesn't matter what he looks like on the outside or what he's presenting as a bully. Because remember now, he, this is a, a big man who's also bullying a lot of people. Um, coming across as pretty aggressive. Um, and underneath all of that is absolutely full of fear that he's going to lose it all until he's actually lost it all. He lost it all emotionally years before, but he had to wait till the business failed, the wife walked out, the kids said, no, I don't want to see you. He had to wait until the physical loss hit before he could realize there had been an emotional loss at least a decade prior. Mm -hmm. So his dad said, this is when it started to break down and he started to point out how it broke down. Do you remember when your wife Beth asked you for this? Do you remember when she started to have to ask you to come to bed at night and instead you slept on the couch every night? Instead you watched TV. Instead you stayed on the computer. That's that's the first, those are the first signs when she knew there was a change. But he wasn't willing to see it till he'd already lost it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. They drew him a map or they drew him a chart. So I am, I'm going to try and describe this little chart. So one of the things that I have found that has happened to me recently in sessions, sorry, I changed my chair and I got, everybody got zinged with noises. My apologies. I have have something in my eye. Oh, do you want to pause? No. You're just going to sit and talk to me winking at me? Yeah. It's going to (laughs) be uncomfortable for both of us on different levels. I mean, really, how much more uncomfortable can we get? Oh, yeah, this is a rough <laughs> conversation, but I hope it's a good one for people. Um, part of things on the list. Um, he interrupts conversations before he even gets all of his information. Um, he talks over them. He talks louder than them. He uses humor or I'm joking, I'm kidding to disguise his abuse or with his holding or his behaviors. 
um, has to know everything, has to solve problems, because in reality, he breaks everything. So there was a real conflict within him about, I'm breaking everything, but I've got to know everything and I've got to be the fixer. So he, he has to be in control. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think I think this is really cool that breakers, mm-hmm. they have to be in control of both breaking mm-hmm. and fixing. Mm-hmm. They have to be the one to know and do, or sorry, be responsible for how things fall apart. And then they also have to be the one in control to put things back together just the way they want it. And everyone should comply. Yes. Yeah. Kelly, like, I loved his session so much yeah. for so many things. Oops. There's no room for another person in that relationship. That's right. That's, oh, you said it beautifully. And that's where, anyway, we got to that at the bottom of this, but you've said it okay, perfectly, just a little bit ahead of when his grandfather, his grandfathers and his dad told him this. Okay, so I took out a pen and paper and I wrote down in the middle, I wrote, I drew a target. And so I wrote, so there was a target in the center of the page and his dad wrote, what Mark wants meaning that whatever he wants, he puts like in that little center there, focus of his attention, and here are all the things that he can do to make sure that he gets what he wants. Does it his own way. Criticizes others. Won't listen, withholds, or just outright ignores. Bullies, bulldozes others. Attacks, repeats himself. Sabotages. Then they came, th- and, I, and I know for other people, there will be more things to put on that list. And you mm-hmm. do have to remember, I had 30 minutes here. Mm-hmm. Um, but what came is exactly what you were saying afterwards. The whole group of men sat down and said, is this accurate about what you do in relationships? And he said, yeah. And they said, if this is your behavior and how you treat somebody, if you were to go out on a first date, and you were to sit down in front of a woman you'd never met before and hand her this piece of paper that you drink, you smoke, you do this. These are the behaviors. You have your target. And then you have all these tactics for how you get what you want, Mark. Mm-hmm. What woman would say, love to date you? Mm-hmm. And if there is a woman that says she would, then what kind of issues was she coming from on her own that she would agree that that would be an attractive man. Or enough for her. Yes. So she would have to have her own issues of being raised in that very same home where that's normal. Mm-hmm. So then his dad said to him, do you feel that you still want to ask the question that you asked at the beginning of the session, is my ex-wife going to come back to me? And he went, no, I do not want to ask it. And I said, what would you like to do, Mark? And he said, I want to go home. Nice. And I said, okay. He goes, I want to be single. And I said, oh. Good for him. Okay. And he said, "Uh, Karen, I'd like to come back. And he said, because obviously I never saw who I am from her perspective as to why she would ever want to be with me. Mm -hmm. I just put her in my target, middle zinger. And I just wanted to do anything I could to control her because it keeps me occupied. It keeps me busy and it keeps me away from feeling what I feel right now. 
He said, I want to bowl. And I said, you can. You're safe here. I said, if you would like, this is a safe place to do that. So he said, okay. Probably can't bowl long enough here because I booked 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) He says, but I definitely have to go home and tell her that I do not want to be with her and that I completely understand why she would never want to be with me and that she doesn't deserve to be with me. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, that's, that's, uh, that's a great beginning. Yeah. I, that, and that's what I meant by good for him when he said, yeah. I want to be single. That's, that's a safe place to be. Kelly, his next question was, how long will I be single? Oh. And I looked at him and yeah, I know, I know we get asked that a lot when this happens. And I said to him, do you want me to ask your dad and your grandfathers, your spirit guides? What would you like? And he go, he paused and he goes, um, never mind. And I went, okay. He goes, I don't think I want an answer. He goes, I think I need to get into rehab. He goes, I think I need to take that um, list of books you've written down. And he says, maybe time will tell instead of that I need the universe to say that by the end of two years, I'm healed. He says, maybe, does it sound right to you that there's no limit on to how many years I'm, when I'm going to be healed and ready for somebody? Mm-hmm. Or will I just know somehow? And I said, well, why don't we just start with you thinking about it as opposed to having to have the answer today? Cool. I like that response. Yeah. And th- that's Let's why. Let's just grasp a new concept first. Yes, exactly. And I said to him, okay. So are you wanting to come back? And he said, yes, but I'm going to go do some things when I call you and book. It's going to be an hour the next time. And I'm going to come prepared with some different questions, but I've got work to do. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where it goes from there, because that was only yesterday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, this is um, sometimes we get excited when we first realize we have work to do. Then we get overwhelmed by it. Yeah. And he might want to go back into all of the patterns. Um, There's a lot of work to do into, first of all, being, being able to recognize them. But I thought that was just um, a great client story to share today, mm-hmm. um, just on a lot of levels that for some people to listen to where, am, am I Mark? Or am I Mark's dad? Am I the grandpa? Uh, am I am, the kid? Am I the kid? And how am I going to grow up and find someone in my life to love or for me to love myself and not be like my dad, my grandpa's, my great grandfather's? How do I break patterns and where do I go to find all of these things? Mm-hmm. So it was just um, good questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you don't t- change the loop by changing uh, changing the question, you never come out of it. You have to have new tools. Yeah. So anyway, cool. that's Mark's story. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Did you want to end it there? No, you go ahead. Oh, and, and the story? Um, yeah, I think so. It was the end of the session. I know you and I could talk more about it, but I I think it's lots to think about. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it would be neat to kind of, well, to pose the same question or the same comments that we do at the end of every podcast Mm. um, to have client feedback or listeners feedback uh, to ask those questions. So if something triggered you today, um, if you found yourself in in a piece of this story, um, then you can for sure submit your questions and comments to info at com. And uh, hopefully we can turn that into a podcast of its own. Thanks for listening.